following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. My name is Brown. On the line with me, live and direct from Parts Unknown, Mr. Mike Jones. <laughs> Mike Jones is out in the world somewhere. I'm good, man. Always. I'm, I'm good. I need to be the same place for the whole show. Uh, uh, what? Uh, well, wherever I you are. I need be in the same place. <laughs> I mean, you ain't getting in no trouble, are you? None that I'll talk about on the radio good 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 because this is not the get indicted hotline mike we got uh we got football to talk about real regular season actual nfl football to talk about this week are you excited about that very excited we're not talking preseason football we're not talking the off season you know preparate we actually have regular season NFL football. We have a whole week of games, games that count to talk about this week. And there were some good week one. There was a very it was a good schedule. Week one. It was a good there schedule. Was exciting game. It was a good I, schedule. I had I was thoroughly entertained watching week one football. How much football did you watch? As much as I could. Of course, you can't watch every game from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. But I watched Thursday night. Okay. Sunday one o'clock, sun, Sunday four o'clock, Sunday seven o'clock or eight, eight o'clock. Excuse me, mm-hmm. seven. I watched seven o'clock Monday night. I didn't. I could not hold on for all of the second game on Monday night. No, that was too Broncos much. Broncos and Raiders a ten o'clock start on the East Coast. That that was just too much. All right, real quick. Uh, other than that, I was thoroughly tuned in. All right, real quick before we get into this, because this is a debate that I've heard on social media uh, very often. What do you prefer? Which would you prefer, a Monday night doubleheader or Thursday night football, if you had a choice every week? Thursday night football. Thursday night football. Now, why is it? I mean, do you think the Thursday Thursday night game is better, or do you think, or is it just that the Monday night football game would be – Monday night football, a late, a ten o'clock, 10 o'clock pro- start on Monday night. That's too much. No one else, no, no one outside of the Pacific time zone is going to be able to watch regularly a ten o'clock start Eastern. Mm-hmm. It's just too much. So, from a fan perspective, you want to be able to watch Monday night football. From a league perspective, you want to maximize your visibility. From a television perspective, you definitely want to maximize ratings because you're paying all this money for the broadcast, right? Mm-hmm. So, unless you're in California, basically, a 7 o'clock Pacific, 10%, 10 o'clock Eastern start is no good for anybody. Okay. So, yeah. All right, well, look, you know, once again. If I did tweak, if I did tweak Thursday night football, what I would do is I know it won't be possible prior to week two or three. I mean, week three or four, something week four when the buys start, mm-hmm. but as much as possible, I would try to have the teams playing on Thursday night to be teams coming off a of buy. 
everybody's on a short week. Mm-hmm. I would do that as much as possible. But beyond that, if I have to choose between a Monday doubleheader and a Thursday slot fest, usually I'll take the Thursday game. Okay. Okay. Well, look, we do have a lot to talk about. So, look, we got a lot of football to talk about in this show. So let's run down some of the big news of the week in a segment that we like to call the Wide Nine. We start in Baltimore, where the talk of the early games was Lamar Jackson's season debut as the guy in Charm City. Brian Waters is a member of the NABJ Sports Task Force. He also writes for BrianHWaters.com. Brian, simply put, how impressed were you with Lamar Jackson? Man, Lamar Jackson, man, let me tell you. Last year, we saw him come in, and he, he was running sort of an offense that people just wasn't used to. Uh, they hadn't seen him. There wasn't that much film on him. So he started off with six, you know, he won like six out of seven games, and then he hit the playoffs. The only team who had a rematch against him was the Chargers, and they beat him. So he had that bad taste in his mouth going into the offseason, losing a playoff game. And for him to bounce back, one of the things that was impressive was the fact that they never took the foot off the gas. He showed hunger. He showed desire to win. He said he promises Baltimore will get a Super Bowl out of him, and he looked like that's what he put the offseason work in. So we knew he could run. We didn't see that much running Sunday, but what we did see was a lot of great throws. Um, we saw some good throws here and there, but to see them on Sunday to the uh, Marquise Brown, which you knew you was going to get, you know, the quick slant, boom, touchdown. But the one, the deep pass, the hit working in the corner, I mean, in the back of the end zone, and then the Willie Sneed, it was just impressive, man. 17 out of 20, over 300 yards, and to put up 59 points. Of course, you got to give credit to RG3 because he could have just went in there and laid an egg, but he didn't. He, he put the pedal to the metal as well. Talking with Brian Waters. Brian, a lot of people nationwide are saying, hey, it was just Miami. Do Baltimore fans share that same thought? Some of them do. And that, that statement annoys me, to be honest with you, man, because they are NFL teams. We understand Miami is going through some turmoil. We understand that their um, owner's situation, you know, it's not the pleasant one, right? However, here's the thing. They get a paycheck, and no matter how bad an NFL team is, I don't think a college team could beat an NFL team. The Ravens, when you're a good team, you go beat up the bad team. That's what the New England Patriots do. That's what the Philadelphia Eagles during their Super Bowl run did. That's what the Los Angeles Rams did. You beat the bad teams. The previous regime, that score would have been 28-13, you know. But to see them go out there and put on that type of performance, it helps them. It shows a different mentality. So for the fans that understand that, they're not saying it's just Miami. And guess what? If or when they beat the Cardinals, they're going to be saying the same thing. Let's go to Dallas. The Cowboys cooked the Giants in their season opener. We bring in Ashley Baker from About Nothing But Sports. Ashley, did Dak Prescott look like a guy looking for payday? Uh, Dak was extremely impressive. Uh, you know, honestly, he, he definitely is coming off like a guy that, uh, you know, is trying to get some money contract year kind of thing mm-hmm. so he i mean he balled out man i mean i've been watching the cowboys for a year 
and um, you know, obviously been watching him since he's been in the league and you know, he just made some throws and read the defense and you know, he really emerged as a fourth year player that I expected him to be. Um, coming out of preseason and into the regular season. So I was very, very, very impressed. He's trying to get that 35 mil, 36 million a year, man. <laughs> Dak Prescott had 20, went 25 for 32, 405 yards, and four touchdowns. How hard do you think he made it on Jerry Jones to deny him his money? Oh, he made it really hard for Jerry to deny that money at this point. And as a matter of fact, the price has went up. You know, uh, Jerry got to pay. You got to pay ASAP. Jerry needs to go ahead and get that deal done this week because if he comes out and has another week like that against Washington, uh, then Jerry, you know, he's going to be kicking himself for not for not making this move a little sooner. So, uh, yeah, the time is ticking for Jerry. <laughs> Talking with Ashley Baker from About Nothing But Sports. Ashley, should the Cowboys fans be worried about their defense giving up 470 yards to Eli and the lowly Giants? Nah, it's game one. Fans, don't fret. Don't panic. That defense, uh, you know, was ranked seventh last year, if I recall, uh, overall. And and I think that they'll get back to form. I love Chris Rashad as the defensive coordinator. Uh, so he, he, he'll make sure that them boys are on cue, you know, this weekend going forward. Staying in the NFC East, Carson Wentz made his much-awaited 2019 debut with the Eagles on Sunday. Javon Alford covers the Eagles for Total Sports Live and the Philly Metro. Javon, how well did Carson shake off the rust in his first game back? I thought that Carson Wentz shook off the, the rust pretty well. I mean, it, the, the way he played, you look at how you look at stats from the first half. He was 12 of 18 for 112 yards. That's not bad at all. The only difference was it wasn't like you didn't see really the deep passes, the intermediate passes until that Deshaun Jackson touchdown. And part of that, you got to give up to Washington, you know, to Washington's defense for not really allowing them to really let the Eagles beat them over the top and really just take what the defense was giving them. So I think in the first half, he actually did pretty well, you know, than what we saw what, in that Thursday night game between Mitch Trubisky and Aaron Rodgers where they just both seemed like they were off kilter and so it took them to drive to get together and then once the then once the second half came about, I thought the Eagles, you know, I think they all got the cobwebs, you know, out of their uh out of their out of their head and just started to really impose their will on Washington, running the ball and then we know what happens when you run the ball and you make an emphasis to do that. We saw that on the first drive. In the uh, third quarter, it was a 12-play, 75-yard drive. Nine out of 12 plays for the running game. And when you do that, it just opens up things for your passing game. And we saw that, you know, with went with with Alshon Jeffrey getting involved with Hurt, you know, making a catch uh, up the sideline at the end of the third quarter. Then Deshaun Jackson doing what Deshaun Jackson does, which was getting favorable matchups and you know getting wide open. Uh, for big play touchdown. On the other side of the ball, should fans be concerned about the Eagles' early struggles with defensive pass rush as well as their secondary play? I think the defensive line is going to be okay. I mean, even though they lost Malik Jackson and they did sign the King Fence, you know, they're still they still have Timmy Jernigan there, who's going to one who's going to cheat one year deal, and he has a lot to prove. You know, because he didn't really play as much last season because he was hurt. He played, I think, the last like few games of regular season into the playoffs. But he has a lot to prove. This is a contract year for him. I think Derek Barnett and, you know, um, 
and, and Brandon Graham are going to be fine. You know, I think the secondary is more of a concern because when you look at when you look at who Washington had at wide receiver, it wasn't nothing impressive than what they're going to see versus Atlanta, where you're going to see a Julio Jones, you're going to see a Muhammad Sanu, you're going to see a Calvin Ridley. At Washington, you were dealing with uh, Paul Richardson Jr., uh, Terry McLaren, McLaren, who had a huge touchdown, uh, pretty much over the top. I think he finished with five for catches for 125 yards and a touchdown, just completely blew by. Russell Douglas. So I think the secondary is more of a concern, and I think it also comes down to team-wise. If you're only rushing four and not getting pressure, then you're going to get situations like you saw in Washington, where against Washington, where Case Keenum was just able to pick his spot and just hit guys over, and just hit guys in certain zones and certain spots. So I think Jim Swartz has to be more uh, has to be more open to bringing pressure with five or six guys sometimes so you don't have guys sitting on an island or with the play that Russell Douglas got burnt on with the McLaren touch with the McLaren touchdown so I think secondary is a concern but I think they'll get it together you know they got to tackle better a tackling's been an issue for this squad last few years just wrapping up they wrap up and they you know they play that bend don't break you know we saw last we saw many times they played against the Falcons team and beat them they have allowed they have allowed Julio to get his numbers but at the same time at the same time, they, you know, they, they held them up in the end zone. And I think if they bring that same mentality in to, you know, Sunday's game against the Falcons, I think they should be, I think they should be fine. That was the wide nine. So thanks again to Brian Waters, Ashley Baker, and my homie Javon Alford. All right. Once again, whole week of football. I know you watched Eagles and Redskins. I, I know that's what you watched because that's what I watched. How impressive! How impressed were you with the Eagles in the way they started their season? Impressed? Eh. Well, impressed is definitely not the word I would use. Okay. What would, would you use? Say, running game specifically got off to a slow start in the first half. Carson Wentz's numbers and Carson Wentz's first half and Carson Wentz's second half were almost a metaphor for the first half being his 2018 season and the second half being his 2017 season. Okay. Where the first half, his numbers were good, 12 for 18. I forget the exact yardage, but 100-some yards, I think, and a touchdown. But he didn't really look great. The eye test tells you something's off. This team looks flat. The second were completion percentage not much different but the way the offense was moving the decision making the movement in the pocket not to run but just to keep your eyes downfield and complete the pass the offensive line moving people and the running game going for 120 three second half yards, I believe, mm-hmm. after only having 22 in the first half, 28 in the first half. It was, and the big plays. Washington played a lot of single high safety, from what I could tell, a lot of single deep safety. And perfect example, the second touchdown to Deshaun to, to Jackson. You see Aguilar and Jackson both running deep routes 
to either side of that safety, and the safety has to make a choice. Wentz looks towards Aguilar a little bit. The safety slides towards Aguilar, which means which means Ag the Sean Jackson is open. And at the first glance, first glance watching the broadcast, you see the safety move away from the and you wonder why would he do that. But then you see Aguilar, and you realize if he stays with the Sean Nelson Aguilar is by himself in the end zone on the other side. So it's pick your poison out there right now with all these weapons. They're going to put up a lot of points this year. What I noticed the defense oh, is the question. Now, what I noticed about this game, we'll get to the defense in a second, is one thing you saw from Carson Wentz down the line last season was a a, de- a, a decrease in mobility, and that was partially that was partially to blame, you know, because of his back injury. You know, you're coming off a you're coming off a torn ACL, and then you come back in the season in your comeback season. You then injure your back, and one of the knocks on Carson last year was just this dependency that he seemed to have on the tight end position. Something you remarked on this show in our conversation was that he did not seem to. He wasn't making all the passes that he used to make. He wasn't making yeah, no, he, and I question and I questioned whether his back was affecting his ability to turn, snap, and make those quick throws to the outside with everything on them that, that he needed to. So yeah. was, was he just because of injury limited to using the middle of the field more? And that was a question I definitely asked on this show. But what you saw was more it it looked yes, it's week one. But already, if you're if you noticed that, if you noticed that about Carson Wentz last year, you you had an answer this season. Like he looked healthier. He's making the plays that you did not see him make that he could not make last season. And yeah, I understand it's the Washington Redskins, but the Redskins defensively are still a, a decent team. What they are offensively might, you know, be a whole nother conversation. Although, you know, yes, Case Case Keenum did have three hundred and eighty yards and three touchdowns. But he did. You know a lot of that in the first half. A lot oh, yeah. a lot of that in the first half. A lot of it. But none but nonetheless, I think if if for at least one week for at least one week, I think Carson Wentz answered a lot of questions as far as his health. Can he maintain that health for an entire 16 games? Leaves a lot to be desired, and that's just not something I'm going to try and answer in a week one conversation, in a week one going into week two conversation. However, he did look good. He made plays all over the field. I think what, you know, you saw how dangerous he can be with that deep threat. You know, we you sit here, you hear the term in football conversations all the time. Taking the top off of a defense has become almost cliche. But if you watched the Eagles and Redskins, you saw that. I mean, you saw it especially in the play that you just described. When you talked about 
Nelson Aguilar and Deshaun Jackson running that route, making the single high safety have to decide where he's going. You saw what happened. You're either going to have Nelson Aguilar open over in the slot over the middle, or you're going to have Deshaun Jackson deep. And either way, you have two receivers fast enough to burn you. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why the active leader in 50-yard touchdown uh, completions had two 50-plus-yard touchdown completions in that game. Mm-hmm. Now look, pick your poison. Pick your poison. Now look, Carson Wentz was not the only quarterback in the NFC East who impressed. We just talked to Ashley Baker. Ashley Baker, who co- who covers and watches a lot of Dallas Cowboys football, probably way too much Dallas Cowboys fo- football for a person who wants to be my friend to watch. But that's that's a whole other story. We still love Ashley. She's, she just you know. She watches way too much Cowboys. But nonetheless, Cowboys cooked the New York Giants on Sunday. Dak Prescott looked awfully good. Ezekiel Elliott, yeah, he might have been, you know, stat-wise he was outplayed by Saquon Barkley, but he did what he needed to do. Got yardage when they needed him to get yardage. He didn't put up the he didn't put up the yardage in he didn't put up the yardage that Saquon put up. But nonetheless, that Dallas Cowboys offense looked awfully good. I know we are not in the business of giving the Dallas Cowboys a whole lot of props on this show because, quite frankly, it makes my skin crawl. But you got to give the Dallas Cowboys a little bit of props, don't you? The Dallas Cowboys. I know you're hurting. Last season, the Cowboys had a – very good defense. Um, their offense, we question their quarterback's ability to consistently go downfield with accuracy. Their off, however, their offense did seem to open up some once they brought in Amari Cooper. All that being said, technically, Jack's deep ball percentage went down, but you did see more big plays coming out out of the deep ball. This year, you see a couple things. One, we all know about Zeke, his ability to run, run the ball and their offensive line and their ability to run block. But you also see where the addition of a Randall Cobb, the development of a Kenny Gallup, the continued development of the relationship between Dak and Amari, Quite frankly, Dak Prescott's individual development, he was not under a lot of pressure against the the Giants defense on Sunday. He was able to stand back there with time and make throws, but he made every throw. I think there was one throw I remember seeing that game that failed on him, but Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, the best of the best will miss one throw in a game. Deep, intermediate, short. He was making all the reads, had his team in all the right plays, and was surgical in delivering. That press, 
going to be this guy consistently, which is what everyone will be looking to see. But if he's this guy, they're an extremely dangerous team until he has to get paid because he's going to have to get paid. You see with just as many numbers and you see Goff's If this is that Prescott now, he's going to have to get a big, big number. And they're going to regret not doing that deal earlier. I know. I will say. I know Carson Palmer has gotten, has caught a lot of heat this week because he came out and said, he suggested that Dak that Dak Prescott needed to take a pay cut, take less money. I got to join the cavalcade of people who think that's absolutely ridiculous. I understand that there are quarterbacks. There are players, you know, Tom Brady probably is the biggest example who have taken less money, taken those pay cuts, restructured his deal to get it, you know, get his money in other ways in order to build a team. I think the difference between the two is at what point in his career Tom Brady did that. I think we look at the New England Patriots and we, you know, of course we we call them, you know, this you know, their dynasty. They're probably at this point, 20 years into this millennium, they are the team of the century. They are the team of the millennium, whatever you want to call that. But I feel like people forget that there's a 10 year gap in between those first three championships they won and the last three championships they won. And it took it. And before Tom Brady, before Tom Brady did what he had to do and start taking pay cuts, start restructuring, he got his money. It's not this. Dak Prescott is on his rookie deal, right? Dak Prescott is. On, Dak Prescott is on his a third round pick on his rookie deal. So before you get to the point where Dak Prescott is taking less money, he's got to make more money. So here's so now you're you're at a you're you can't ask Dak Prescott in year four of his rookie deal to take less money now. Here, look, understand who this is coming from. I am a Dallas Cowboy hater. I am somebody who has spent forty three of the last forty three years of my life rooting against the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I, I've i gotten into more Dak sucks conversations over the last four years than, you know, as I've been in, in as many conversations about that as anybody. And I understand that, that right there, those conversations, honestly, that's fan-ish. Because, mm-hmm. because in the reality of it, you know, when you take the fan hat off and you want to be objective, Dak Prescott don't suck. You know, he, he, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. Smart quarterback. He, yes. He, I've always said he was a very smart quarterback who intermediate and short was, was more than adequate. He was mm-hmm. actually quite good. 
and he made all the reads. He just struggled with down the field accuracy. Mm-hmm. But that's something what that's something you can develop most in, in week one. Exactly, and that's what stood out to me most in week one. It looks as though he's ready to take that next step. Mm-hmm. If he is, he's just as dangerous as any quarterback in the league. So, and look, this is the reality of it. This is this is the harsh truth. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. Dak Prescott deserves his money. So now, Jerry Jones being, you know, you Jerry Jones has fought hard to keep that GM hat on his head. He wanted to be the owner. He wanted to be the GM. So now, here it is. You got your QB. You got your running back. You got your wide receiver. You have a pretty decent offensive line. And you got, and despite the fact that you, your defense gave up almost 500 yards on Sunday, you still have a pretty decent defense. Jerry Jones got to figure out a way to keep that together. One thing I've always talked about with the NFC East, because it's always, you know, there's always been there's, there's one team, maybe two teams that are up there at the top, and then there are the other two. You know, it's been New York and Philly, and then there's Dallas and Washington. Or it's been Dallas and Philly, and then there's the Giants and the Redskins, or whatever. But in the end, my my thought process has always been with the NFC East. You cannot count on them being down forever. At some point in time, one of those teams, two of those teams, maybe three of those teams are going to figure it out. So at a point where the Giants are down, the Redskins are down. If if Jerry Jones wants to rise to prominence and once again take that stranglehold of the NFC East like he used to have in the 90s, he has to act and he has to pick he has to figure it out. That means his draft hit, his draft picks gotta hit. Because at some point in time oh, that, he has no choice on that yeah, one. Yeah. Because if he break if he difference. Yeah. in the team he built in the nineties, the, the NFL didn't have a salary cap until ninety four. Mm-hmm. His team was already assembled by then. Yep. He had his core in place, guys were signed to contract, and then they put in a salary cap. So you weren't trying to figure out how to get the pieces there. Mm-hmm. They were already there. You just had to work the numbers to keep them in house in an era before anybody's getting ten, fifteen million dollar a year contract, except maybe a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, the team building aspect of it is definitely going to be a different animal for Jerry Jones this time around if he wants to have one of those type of runs. Definitely. This team is about to go from having a quarterback that makes eight hundred thousand a year to a quarterback that makes thirty-five to forty million a year. That's what's about to happen to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And, the- and I know everybody always says, "Yeah, pay that man the money. Pay that man his money. He needs his money." And to be they're going by the, the current pay scale in the NFL. NFL that deserves his money, but from a team building perspective, with all that talent Dallas right now, 
going to lose some of it if 30 mil goes to extra 30, 40 mil goes to one play. You know? Mm-hmm. And that, so, and that's why you that's that why you got to get you got to get game changers on you you have to get game changers within the draft so you can pay them on a rookie scale to give you veteran type work that's the job of the GM so to me I look at it like if Dak Prescott earned this contract did he not Dak Pro- Dak Prescott has earned big money is it, would you say that's a true statement? Uh, it's definitely a true statement. So Dak Prescott, so it's not like at this point, if you give Dak Prescott that $30, $35, $40 million deal now, he has not earned it. He played well. He, he earned big money. So now, to me, if you give Dak Prescott big money and, you know, the team around him fails, that's on Jerry Jones. That is on Jerry Jones. That this if this does not work for the Dallas Cowboys, then this falls directly on the foot uh, at the feet of the general manager, Mr. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones got to build he has to build this uh he has to build this winner. He has to be the guy to build this winner. If it does not, it's on him. You got Dak, you got Zeke, you got Cooper, you got a pretty decent offensive line, and you got a ha- you got a pretty decent defense. You got to figure out a way to get it. You got to figure out a way to make it work, Jerry. Eagles look like they're primed to do it. That's not handing things over to the Eagles because the Eagles are in the same position. They got to make it work. You got Car- you got Carson Wentz. The Eagles are in a similar position, but the Eagles, the Eagles have big money guys like Jason Peters coming off the books in the mm-hmm. next year or two. Darren Sproles is already on a reduced number, and he'll be gone in a year or two. You have Alshon, obviously, is probably looking at maybe two more years in Philly. Mm-hmm. You have guys like Sean Jackson is who's at 32. The Eagles have some some places where they're going to have to retool and find new young talent over the next couple years. Mm-hmm. Don't be confused; their situation is not perfect. Nope. But it should be at positions where you're not looking to rebuild the core of your team, your offensive line, your defense mm-hmm. line. You're not looking for that secondary players or a quarterback or a running back. And you do actually have a couple young, talented skill position players that should be ready to step in and step up. And Zach Ertz is under contract. Dallas Goddard is already out. Rookie receiver Ortega Whiteside, Miles Sanders. So you actually have a succession plan already starting to take shape in the building. Yep. Definitely, definitely. Dallas is on the other end of it where you have a lot of younger guys whose contracts are all going to be coming up around the same time. And they're going to have to make sure they have a good succession plan in place once some of these guys decide they'd rather leave for more money elsewhere. 
So it's it's going to be fun to watch over the next few years. Definitely. I will definitely say that. Definitely, definitely, definitely. We will see if one of these NFC East teams can finally rise up, grasp, grab that brass ring. Hopefully it will be the Philadelphia Eagles and not the Dallas Cowboys, but that would be fairness. Y'all want me to be objective, so who knows? We will, we will see. All right, you guys, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we still got more NFL Week 1 to talk about. We'll talk about Nick Foles. We'll talk about Kyler Murray. We will talk about the Saints-Texans Monday night football game and more when we come right back on offense, defense, and discourse. Just remember, tell us what you think of this show. Hit us up Facebook. Excuse me, hit us up on Twitter. We tweet. We ain't on the book. Hit us up on hit us up on Twitter at O underscore D underscore discourse. Me and Mike Jones, we will be right back after this. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash BITW Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Eight off like the assassin, now I'm blasting, I'm taking over. Stick you for your blue range over. I told you, Rampage, your real life soldier. Been in the game since the age of 13. James Lewis. Dwelling south of the Hudson, New Jerusalem in seclusion. Uh, Using fake suit and yeah. I'm true bad. My travels like a schizo with two tabs with do rags hanging from my pocket. Huh. What, boy? You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we are back on offense, defense, and discourse. It's your boy Brown holding it down with my man Jonesy. Jonesy, what's good? Oh, man. We're talking football, so everything's good. Oh, yeah. It's always good yeah. to talk football. And just, just a reminder to you guys, you can download this podcast at any time. Go to us, go to soundcloud.com slash BITW Sports, or you can go to Apple Podcasts. Just search Best in the World Sports, and then you will find us. You'll find all the podcasts we are on. You know, it's me and Jonesy talking sports pretty much all the time because that's what we do. Moving on, though, we still got NFL to talk about. Down in Jacksonville, they're a little disappointed. Went out and got themselves a quarterback that they thought was going to put them over the hump, that was going to take them to the next level. They thought they leveled up at quarterback. The only problem is that quarterback got hurt. And now it looks like he's out for a long time, if not out for the season. Nick Foles broke his collarbone, uh, excuse me, uh, broke his clavicle. It is all lost for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's what. I, that's my first question. It's all lost? I won't go to that extreme mm-hmm. simply because we're, we're talking about a team we saw make a deep playoff run with Blake Bortles as the quarterback. 
So, from what I'm hearing, the kid they traded for, I, and I'll admit, I'm not a guy who studied his tape and watched a lot of him play. But what I'm hearing of him is he's not a guy who shouldn't be in the NFL. He's a decent football player. He's you know, a rookie, fifth-round pick, but he does have the physical ability. So, if they can get their running game going and get their defense back to form in a division that just lost Andrew Luck to retirement, it's not completely over for him. But let's be honest, things are now looking bleak. Nick Foles started off that game hot. He went out throwing a touchdown pass. He stood in there, took the hit. One of the things we loved Nick Foles for when he was in Philly, but that exposes you to things like falling on that shoulder and cracking the clavicle. So it's going to be difficult, very, very difficult for Jacksonville moving forward. They're going to have to try to keep games in that 17-14, type of game, 13-10 type of game to try to get wins at this point now. Because I do think their offense has been significantly hamstrung by the Foles injury. There's going to be a lot of pressure. I think I think the the arrival of Nick Foles brought the expectations of taking a little bit of pressure off the Jacksonville defense. I think with Blake Bortles, what you had was you had a, you had a team with a strong defensive identity, but you had a quarterback that you just hoped would not lose you games. Correct. Not not necessary. I don't think there was a lot of expectations for Blake Bortles to go out and win games for you. You just didn't want him to go out and lose games. It's like, okay, don't throw. Oh, they had zero. They had zero expectations of Bortles winning games because if you remember that playoff game, Bortles, if they'd have been willing to throw him at all, they probably would have won that game. But they got a lead and went ultra conservative, not willing to put the ball in Blake Bortles' hands at all, and ultimately lost because they stopped scoring. Mm-hmm. They had no faith in Blake Bortles to go out and win again. And you saw where that got them. And you, but then exit Blake Bortles, enter Nick Foles, a guy with a playoff pedigree, a guy with a Super Bowl pedigree, a Super Bowl MVP, someone who, and the one, one, one of the things that we've always said about Nick Foles over the last two seasons was he's not a guy who's going to lose you a game. He, you know, he does not shy away from the, from the big moments. And you have a guy with a you. To me, bringing in a guy like Nick Foles says to your organization that hey, you know, we believe we one we believe in you. We're bringing in a guy who can make plays and with. You add this to the mix that we already have, and maybe we can jump up. You know, maybe we can level up. Maybe you know you have you have a team who recent who lost in a big game to the New England Patriots. So what do we do? We bring in a guy who beat the New England Patriots. 
Yeah, we understand who Tom Brady is. Hey, let me bring in the guy who outplayed him in the Super Bowl. What does that say to your team? Now you have to then turn around and say, hey, you know what? Now he's going. We're going to turn to Gardner Minshew. Now we have to turn to Gardner Minshew. And that's not to necessarily say, you know, and like you said, you know, what, he was a six-round pick? Fifth, I believe. Fifth or, or sixth-round pick. No I, no, I believe he was in the, uh, the sixth, uh, sixth round. Sixth-round pick out of Washington State. So, as a, you know, you and I being two, two East Coast guys, you and I being two East Coast guys, we don't watch a lot of Washington State football. Gardner Minshew could come into this room right now with his jersey on. I wouldn't know who he was. Come in here and say, hey, man, I'm Gardner Minshew. All right, that's cool. What you need? What you want? But nonetheless, now you have to go back. And, yes, and the the issue is, the, I guess the difference is, you know what you get with Blake Bortles. You, mm-hmm. un, you understand what you get with Blake Bortles. You know who, you know, so there's not a lot of expectations there. Gardner Minshew has an opportunity to prove himself. He has an opportunity to prove that he can be a NFL quarterback. And like you said, there is reason to believe that he can be. There's reason to believe that he can be that guy. He has to go out and prove it. He has to go out and show that he can be that guy. However, you're still, you know, you're you're you've gone now from a Super Bowl MVP to a six-round pick, a six-round rookie. Means your defense is going to have to go out there and win some games. Your running back is going to have to go out there and break big yards. Pressure is on Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette has a lot lot of weight on his shoulders this season. Has a lot of weight on his shoulders, and I think a lot of, and a lot of pressure is going to fall on that receiving core as well. Because now that you know, now until until Gardner Minshew proves that he can make big throws in big moments, you're going to see people put, load up eight guys in the box almost every down and shut down Leonard Fournette and dare him to uh, and dare Gardner Minshew to throw that rock. There's there's pressure on the. Be, mm-hmm. And let's be. I don't want to. Say his name mis- incorrectly. Gardner Minshew the second. Gardner Minshew. Oh, yeah, yeah, no disrespect. Gardner Minshew the second. All right, no, no disrespect to his grandpa. You know, yes, Gardner Minshew the second. Well, yeah, all right. Does, does he have the two on his jersey? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> and, and interesting and fun and fun fact. Mm-hmm. His father named him Gardner Minshew II, uh-huh. although there was actually no Gardner Minshew the first. Wait, what? Wait, say this again. His his, his dad. His father. Uh huh. So his dad is not Gardner Minshew. Gardner. No. His dad ain't Gardner Minshew. His grandpa ain't Gardner Minshew either. No. He's just Gardner Minshew the, the second. 
Okay. That's that's crazy. The quarterback name is Gardner Flint Minshew the second. Okay. His father's name is Flint Minshew. And his father before him is named Billy. That, that's, that's so the grandfather is Billy, the father is Flint, and the son is Gardner the second. That's... And Billy, mm-hmm. the grandfather, actually wanted to name the son Beowulf. Be- what the? He wanted to name Gardner the second Beowulf. So these were the choices for his name: Gardner the second or Beowulf. This, this is crazy. This ha- and, and this is what's on the kid's profile on a story about him posted on NFL.com. All right, a story by Nick Tony on NFL.com. All right, that's absolutely crazy. That's that's or, all right. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this dude. <coughs> Gardner Minshew the second, but your pop ain't named Gardner Minshew. Your grandpop ain't. Man- there ain't no other Gardner Minshews in your family, but you Gardner Minshew the second. To me, if there ain't no other Gardner mm-hmm. Minshews in your family, why would you want to? If you're the first Gardner Minshew in your family, then you should be Gardner Minshew the first. Why are you second? Why are you second to nobody? Oh, that, I, I guess that's, I don't know. That, that's the conversation we're gonna have to have with that man's father. You know, hey, look, I'm, I'm not here to tell this man how he should name his kids, but. I don't. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I, I don't hey, know. Man, at least they didn't name him Beowulf. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. That is true. I just rather have a kid with with a couple of apostrophes in his name. You know. But that you know that is what it is. All right, look. More quarterback news. Kyler Murray made his debut on Sunday for the Arizona Cardinals. Did you watch that game? Did you watch any of that Cardinals game? I did. I did. It, it was actually an entertaining game. I was early in the game. I wasn't watching. I'm thinking rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Eh, I will start watching him by week four, four or five once he's got a feel for it. Mm-hmm. And then I can get a better idea of who he is. Mm-hmm. I saw some things that I expected to see when I did start watching. I saw some passes get knocked down. While he's trying to stand in the pocket, there was a pick six, I believe. There was some things like all the potential faults you might find in a rookie quarterback with Carter, excuse me, with Kyler's dimension. You saw him early. I got a text message from one of, from a friend of mine early in that game. Kyler Murray stick. <laughs> and then. And then the fourth quarter happened. Mm-hmm. Did that person? Did that person fourth, uh, hit you back after that fourth quarter? No, no, they not. didn't. Of course not. And then the fourth quarter happened, and the Cardinals put up what eighteen points to tie the game, or they tied the game, and then it ended as a tie at overtime, but. He made some very impressive throws, some good reads. Of course, he had the the old reliable veteran Larry Fitzgerald with him to help him out. Mm-hmm. 
and get him across the finish line. But the, you also saw late in that game what Arizona saw in him that made them want to take him early. Mm-hmm. He He's diminutive for NFL quarterback, but he has athleticism. He can move, get outside the pocket, mm-hmm. and he's a smart kid he, with a good arm. I think. I mean, well, first thing, as you, know, you would expect from a baseball player, he has that arm. He has the arm. Of course, probably, you know, he's going to have to go his entire career, you know, being reminded, being told, you know, hearing, hey, man, he's still, he's under six foot. He's 5'10". It's a 5'10 quarterback. So he has to be. When's the last time? When's the last time I, some, last time someone reminded you of Russell Wilson type? Not since he, not since they won the Super Bowl. You haven't heard it discussed in a while. Uh, so, so does that mean Kyler Murray has to win a Super Bowl before he's uh before they stop reminding him of his uh height? I think it means he has to win a playoff game or two at least mm-hmm. and look good in them. But if he proves he can win, he can win, get to the playoffs, and play at a high level in the playoffs. There's no no more reason to ask questions. But regardless of a guy's physical stature, if his team isn't winning, it's fair to ask questions. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And as, as of right now, Nick, I, you know, as of right now, there's, there's a team 0-0-1. Oh, 0-0-1. Oh, 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 and one. Oh, oh, and one. Now, you watch that. No wins, no losses. They're winless and undefeated at the at the very same time. Winless and undefeated at the same time. Now, let me ask you this. You, you know, you watched a lot of that game. If you could suspend the fact that you watched so much of that game, doesn't Detroit and Arizona tying week one sound like the most Detroit and Arizona thing ever? Yes, yes, it does. You sit there and you You have it. Bad team with a rookie quarterback who nobody has high expectations for versus a team that's been perennially perennially bad with a quarterback who's perennially been an underachiever. Like, he's the the opposite of Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. All the physical tools, everybody looks at Matt Stafford and says he's the prototypical quarterback. But the one thing you want wins has been elusive to him. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, so all the, you can be 6'4", 6'5", all you want and still not win games. Mm-hmm. No, it's, I mean, so, but yeah, it was, that was a very Detroit versus Arizona type of game. You know, if when I, you were absolutely right about that. It's like, we talk about narratives all the time. And how sometimes narratives override reality. But if you're sitting there and you're looking at the week one schedule, you know, and you're looking at the games that you had on the slate, there were some surprises. There were some, you know, there were some surprises. There were some, you know, uh, uh, things that things that didn't surprise you, things that, you know, that you expected. But you looked at that, you, you look at the schedule and a couple games jump out to me. 
See, Bills and Jets. 17-16 game. Jets had, you know, Jets had a had a lead, gave up two fourth quarter touchdowns to lose the game. That doesn't shock you. That's that's Jets going Jets. A lot of people talked about, you know, we talked about Cleveland making that jump, being that, you know, taking that step. They open up at home to the Tennessee Titans, get outscored 31 to 7 in the second half. Had a 6-3 lead going into the had a 6-3 lead going into the second quarter and then got outscored in the last three quarters. 42-7. That's Browns going brown right there. That's Browns going brown. That's Cleveland going Cleveland. Now, look, it's week one, so I'm not going to sit there and say, all right, there's the same old Browns. They'll never make that, you know, they'll never level up. They'll never be the team that, you know, they'll never turn that corner because it's week one. But if there is, could there be any more Brown of a result than what happened to the Cleveland Browns week one? That's Baker Mayfield, a guy who talks, you know, a, a guy who who seems to buy into his own hype. And and in a lot of cases, rightfully so. Baker Mayfield looks like he could be a pro quarterback. Not looking, you know. You know, I, I want to say this about the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. They they have a talented team that still has a flawed offensive line. Mm-hmm. With all the talent and all the weapons you have on offense, with a flawed offensive line, it's going to be hard to make that offense go. Mm-hmm. No matter how many talented skill positions you have, you all often hear me say you need to build from the inside out. The Cleveland Browns are a team that should be interested in Trent Williams. Mm-hmm. If there's a way to get him out of Washington, Cleveland's a team that should be trying to do it. And the other thing that's going to happen with Cleveland is how much hype did you hear around Cleveland all off season? A lot. All the names, all the weapons, mm-hmm. types of personalities. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people's favorites to win the division, go to the playoffs. You even hear some people talking about Super Bowl at Cleveland. And in my mind, the, what that does is that makes the Browns pretty much the Patriots when you when you look at your schedule. And what I mean by that is the Patriots just won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So when teams look at their schedule and see the Patriots, they circle that game. That's mm-hmm. a that's a measuring stick game. That's the mm-hmm. game you're up for. You're gonna be you're gonna give your best shot that game because mm-hmm. you're going against the champ. People have already anointed these Cleveland Browns before they've ever really won anything. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They won seven games, I think it was. They were still a losing team. And now they've been anointed. I think it's somewhere between offending guys that you're saying this team is better than us Mm -hmm. and then just causing guys to focus because you've put such a spotlight on their talent. Oh, yeah, they are talented. We've got to be right. They're going to get everybody's best shot. Yeah. 
I think honestly they're going to get everybody's best game. They're going to get everybody's best game, and I think part of it is, I, I think part of it lies in what we always talk about with narrative, because although there's expectations for Cleveland to level up and Cleveland to take that to take that next uh, that next step into turning the corner it's still the Cleveland Browns so if no, no team wants to be that team that was a stepping stone of the Cleveland Browns finally not being the Cleveland Browns if you're sitting there and you're looking at a team that has been bad for close to 20 years now, since the Cleveland Browns came back into the league after the original Cleveland Browns left for Baltimore and won two Super Bowls and have been a good team for the last 20 years. You know, nobody wants to be Fairly that, consistently. A, a, a consistently good team, a consistent, st- you know, the, it's you could you you could make a very good case that the Baltimore Ravens, the former Cleveland Browns, but the Baltimore Ravens have been a model organization over the last twenty years. They're a team absolutely in twenty years that have had three coaches, two of which who won Super Bowls. Multiple, mm-hmm. multiple division t- titles, multiple winning seasons, multiple trips to the playoffs. Consistent. Had the same general manager since they were in Cleveland with, you know, with a re- he retired, not fired, not replaced, retired. not forced out. He's done it for decades and now has stepped away. You know, the great Ozzie Newsom. The great Ozzie Newsom. You look at what the Baltimore Ravens to me, that is the twist that is part of the knife twisting in the collective souls of Cleveland Browns fans. That not only did their team walk out on them and leave, not in the middle of the night like the Colts did, but but they they left. But your team left and created an entirely new identity in a new in a new in a, excuse me in a new city and then became one of the model organ, one of the model organizations in the league for now decades and in the meantime in your division in your division oh, don't forget yep in your division so you've sat there up close and watched the team that used to be yours then go out and be great somewhere else all right, I used to tell, you know, you, you, when you give friends advice, I used to give advice to girls that you didn't want, you, you, you didn't want a Marcus Houston. You wanted Jay-Z. Beyonce used to date Marcus Houston. Mm-hmm. She moved on. You know, she said, you know, I, I read in an interview somewhere, Marcus Houston just said, you know, when when he was dating her, he just wasn't ready to be that guy, to be, you know, still you know, still young doing out, you know, doing young bull things. Beyonce goes out and gets, you know, 
then goes on, starts dating Jay-Z, marries Jay-Z, and they all lived happily ever after. Say whatever you want to, you know, this is not an in-depth conversation on their, on on that relationship. But nonetheless, you know, Beyonce moved on to better things. Marcus Houston has to go, to go to the rest of his life watching Beyonce be great with Jay-Z. And there's got to be some, you know, and that's not the, and that's not a big knock on Marcus Houston's life. But nonetheless, that's what you're watching. The Cleveland Browns are Marcus Houston watching his ex-girlfriend Beyonce go be great and be the great, you know, li- live her best life with Jay-Z. That's what the Cleveland, that's what the Baltimore Ravens are to the city of Cleveland. And now you're at a point where the city of Cleveland, where the the Cleveland Browns fan base are at a point where they're finally about to turn that corner and be a great team or or expected to be a great team. If you're the rest of the league, you you don't want to be a part of that. What would it do to the what would it do to the Tennessee Titans locker room if that score was if that score was flipped? Tennessee Titans aren't a bad franchise. Tennessee, you know, Tennessee. If the score was flipped, if the score was flipped, you come out here with the expectations that the Cleveland Browns had on their season, what the Cleveland Brown fan base had for the for their season, with all the talk with Cleveland, and they come out and they beat Tennessee forty three to thirteen. What do you think that would do? What what would that have done to the Tennessee Titans locker room? Honestly, I don't know that it has a huge effect either way. You've got a quarterback, Marcus Mariota, say what you will. He's what, what, in his fourth year, so he's in his fifth year in the league now. Yeah, he's, he's in his fifth year in the league. He's a grown man, essentially, at this point. You've got good running games. Win or lose, I don't think that one game would have made or break, made or broken Tennessee's season. Maybe not made or broken Tennessee's season. I do season. think it could, but the reason I say that is because if, if Cleveland comes back and has another clunker this week, I will look back and say one ended their season because they have a very combustible combination of personality. Please in that locker locker room, excuse me. And if they start going downhill early, there could be a snowball effect that there's no recovering from. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if you could say it would be a direct hit to that locker room. However, I think you come out of your, you come out of your season, you know, you come out week one and you get, you get cooked by Cleveland. That's still a blow. You put, you know, you, you put the shoe on the other foot. Marcus Mariota comes out week one against Cleveland and puts up Baker Mayfield's numbers. And I'm talking one touchdown, three interceptions. Oh, well, yeah. You, you're, if Mariota puts up those numbers, his job is on the line. Exactly. We talked to uh, we talked to Mike Patton a couple of weeks ago, and he's like, pretty much the uh, the Tennessee Titans fan base is on. Uh, you know, we need to see it. 
It's now or never with Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota comes out week one, yet a team that against a team that a lot of people expect to level up comes out 248 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. You know what? And he had a solid game. He had a solid game, and now you're looking at you're looking at Tennessee to move forward. You're looking at Tennessee to uh, you're looking at Tennessee to level up. You look, you know, you you have some expectations. You know, they Tennessee then bought themselves another week. You know, you got your home opener against the Colts. We don't know what's going on with the Colts. We got they go to Jacksonville next. Jacksonville now they got big question marks with their uh with their quarterback situation. Then you got their they go against the Falcons, and we know how you feel about the Falcons. That that was your cue, Mike. Go ahead and say it, Mike. Mike, say, say the words, Mike. You know you want to say it. Go ahead and say the words, man. The Falcons? Yes. Yeah, well, well, come on, man. We, You know you want to say Stop acting like you ain't. Frauds. The, the Falcons are frauds. Thank you. We all know the Falcons are frauds. So, if you don't know the Falcons are frauds, you're the type of sucker that gets fooled by a fraud mm-hmm. and loses everything. <laughs> Either one or the other. That, see, that's what that's what I needed. That's what I wanted to hear from you. So I'm sitting here in a prove-it year for the Tennessee Titans. They came out beat up on the Browns. I think that, you know, what, what becomes of the Browns is still left to be said. But for a week one, you know, for a week one in the season, that's a big statement game. You went out there and handled the Browns. You then got the Colts, the Jags, the Falcons, and the Bills. Titans could be 5-0 and in a month. Titans could be 5 That is not impossible at all. That is not impossible at all. In a prove-it year, the, you're, looking at, you're possibly looking at the Tennessee Titans being 5-0. and Depending on what you think of the Denver Broncos, could be six and zero. Denver is going to be an interesting team this year. I yeah. don't think they're going to be terrible. Yeah, so you know, jury's still out, but you're still looking at a possible five and zero start for the Tennessee Titans. So you know, in a prove it year, Marcus Mariota's. You know, this table is set for Marcus Mariota. We'll see what happens. I don't know. There's still some question marks, but you know that that still you know that that remains to be seen. that still remains to be seen. All right, you guys, look, we gotta take another break, but we still look. This is what happens week one. We gotta break this all down. We gotta talk this all out. All right. We will take a real quick. And we have a little housekeeping to do, some administrative work to get back as well. Oh, 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 we do. Did I do something wrong? We do. Am I about to get fired? No, you didn't. Oh, okay. All right. You know, have me worry, man. I got kids to feed, dude. You know, administrative work. That sounds like a layoff coming out. Had me prepared for a pink slip to come in. You know, come in, <laughs> come, come in. <laughs> and Mike's hosted the show by himself, and I'm out there panhandling or something. All right, look. Let's take a real quick break. Once again, tell us, tell us what you think of this show. Tell us what you think of the conversation. Hit us up on Twitter. O underscore D underscore discourse. Me and Mike Jones. We will be back right after this. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more. 
Go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. James Lewis. There's so many people walking around with the Best Buy Polo. Then you have the Sprint people. Then you have the Geek Squad people. Then you have like Geek Squad. the, co- like the, Geek the Squad. Cox they Cable people. Right. So there are 38 people walking around at Best Buy doing absolutely nothing. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Can we say F- No, we can't. Squad? We can't say that. We, okay. we, we cannot say that. Okay. Uh, we shouldn't say that. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying that. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we are back on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. My name is Brown. On the phone with me from somewhere in America is Mr. Mike Jones. Jonesy was good. Uh, man, I make it sound like I'm Jonesy San Diego. Exactly. That reference is way too old for some, for a lot of the many of you. Where in the world is Jonesy San Diego? See, there you go. That could be, you know, that name's kind of gangster. Jonesy San Diego. There you go. We'll figure that, you know, we're going to work on that one. All right, we've been talking football all show. Finally got some football to talk about. Finally got some football to discuss. And before we move on, because there is other things in sports that we need to talk about, let's wrap things up with as far as week one goes. You watched a lot of football. I watched a lot of football. In the end, now that week one is completely in the books, what team impressed you the most? All right. Now, when you ask me the question impressed, I have to ask, what do you mean by impressed? Do I think What team do I think was the best? What team do I think? improved the most what team do i think was the most surprising okay i mean well look which, which perspective are you asking uh, what team it, were there one was there a team that that you had expectations for is there a team that that really exceeded your expectations, maybe a team you weren't checking for that turned your head? Like, what team did you – was there a team or a game this season – or, excuse me, this week that you were just like, like, whoa, whoa, where did this come from? The the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Now, why did they impress – what about the Cowboys, I knew that – I knew their defense was good. I knew their running game was good. But the way they were able to have a multifaceted, multiple weapon passing attack and that being as efficient, I don't even want to use the word efficient, that being as outstanding as he was in that game was surprising. Dak's always been efficient. He went from efficient to flat-out dangerous in week one. That was surprising to me. 
I thought Dallas going to be in the league. If this is Dak Prescott this season, they are absolutely one of the three or four best teams in the league, no question there. All right, let me play a little week one overreaction. This is me putting this statement out here, asking this question in full understanding that it's week one. All right. So, of course, I personally am not going to hold you to this. But let me ask you this. Given this small sample size, do you think Dak Prescott played like an MVP candidate in this game? If if we're going from week one yeah. and looking for MVP candidate, yeah. you absolutely have to include Dak Prescott in that. Okay. Your candidates would be Brady, Wentz, Dak, and Lamar Jackson. Okay. All right. That's gonna make Those are your candidates after week one. That's going to make a lot of Cowboys fans excited. It's going to make a lot of Eagles, Redskins, and Giants fans sick, myself included, but it is what it is. It truly is what it is. My, I would say the team that impressed me the most were the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson impressed me the most. And my reasons are a little bit different from yours because I had no real expectations. I just wanted to see – I just wanted to see Lamar Jackson take a step forward. I wanted to see what uh, Lamar Jackson could do now that he is the guy. He didn't start out the guy last season. You know, Baltimore was at a Baltimore was at a point where they felt like a change needed to be made. They made said change. Lamar Jackson performed well under the circumstances, but now the reins are fully his. This is now his team. That is now his offense. So you really did not know what you were going to get with Lamar Jackson. And I understand, and I agree with the statement that Brian Waters made earlier in the show. He said he didn't think it was fair to just dismiss it as just playing the Miami Miami Dolphins because we all know what the Dolphins got going on, and that ain't much. However, This man came out 21 points in the first quarter, 21 points in the second quarter. When you have a team like Baltimore, one of the biggest, one of the biggest expectations for a team turning the corner when a team becomes a good team, when you want to start putting a team in the conversation of the better teams in your conference, in your division, whatever, in the league, is what they do with the bad teams. This is still a team that, yes, they scored, you know, they scored three touchdowns in the first quarter, three touchdowns in the second quarter. Still scored three more times in the second half. So it's not like they necessarily took their foot off the gas. This is a defense held them scoreless in the second half. Your team is down, when your team is down, 42 to 10, what do you expect the team to do? You expect them to throw the ball, start tossing the rock around to try to start getting some points quick. So if they're thought, you know that's happening, you know they're going to throw the rock, and you still hold them scoreless in the second half? That's saying something about your defense. That's saying your defense stayed hungry. 
yes, it might also mean that the Dolphins what? came came out the uh came out the locker room in the second half with quitting their eyes. No, let me ask you a question, couple questions. Sure, go ahead. Because I'm one of those guys who says, "Yeah, what?" It, but it was Miami. Okay. Now, so I have, I have to ask a couple questions. Go ahead. Yeah, you got it. One, Miami's offense. <laughs> what offense? Do you think there? That answers my question. No more need to ask a question. You said everything you need to say right there. What offense? No, I, I got okay. It. Number uh-huh. number two. Yep. Baltimore's defense has have they ever really been in question the last couple of years? I think there might there are questions going into this this season primarily because. This is the first season in a long time where Baltimore's defense has zero ties to those great vaunted defenses. Yes, this, you know, this has been a defense in transition over the last couple of years, but now there's you know, not only is there no Ray, not only is there no Ed Reed, but now there's no Terrell Sutton. Yeah, there's no T sizzle either. So you know, at this point, like you look at this Baltimore defense, and maybe you know, and we'll have to get, you know, we'll have to get a Baltimore guy in there real soon to talk more about this. But just on the outside looking in, like who is that? Who is that name? Who is that that vaunted leader of but, this Baltimore defense? And, and that's the thing. If you look back at their defense last year, mm-hmm. their defense was very good last year. Yes. Who was the name? Who was the vaunted leader? I think you didn't hear Terrell. You did not hear Terrell Suggs' name ever last year. I think so. Some... Might you? There may have been some locker room impact, mm-hmm. but I think on with, the field it was different. On the field, it was very different. It was the younger guys, the newer pieces. And as you alluded to earlier when we were talking about Baltimore, the type of continuity that they had in that organization from front office to Mm -hmm. coaches and everything else, it allows that culture, that mindset Mm -hmm. to continue even after certain players who helped found and put the foundation in place Mm -hmm. because you had such continuity in other places that foundation isn't getting ripped up now just because those players have moved on to different stages of life. Mm-hmm. That goes back to what you were saying earlier about how good organizations, model organizations are run. So, Baltimore's defense, in my mind, is not a question. Mm-hmm. His job last year was to be more of a teacher than a player. Yeah. And it looked like he did a good job teaching. That defense versus Miami. I wasn't expecting Miami to put up very many points. Were you? Mm-hmm. No. No, I I, I, All right. I don't think there it was expect like I think honestly like had had Baltimore So I had another question. Okay. Go ahead. All right, next quick question. We're going to put it all together in a second. Okay. So, a couple quick questions. So, Miami's offense, what offense? Miami's defense, what do you think of them? I think 
They're bad. When you when you look at a team, when you well look, Miami is a bad team. I'm not I'm not going to sit out here and, and try and no, somehow no, make a team that no, lost no, fifty nine to ten no, out to be world beaters. But as we said on this time, you no, know, no, we, that's my now 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 at, um. Brian Waters, he said he doesn't like the like the analogy calling them a college team. They're not a college team. Mm-hmm. Every player in the NFL was all conference, all this, all that. It's an all star. You'd, you'd run over a college team. These are grown men out there. I'm not mm-hmm. insulting them mm-hmm. like that. Miami but, Dolphins would beat, Al- would beat Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> they absolutely would. I'm not, saying, I'm not the one saying that. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, NFL standards, when you start comparing them the Miami roster, you got players who schematically don't necessarily fit. You've got a quarterback who, yeah, whatever. Your defense, everybody knows as holes. You're letting guys walk away like a keen fit who was the type of guy who could actually solidify a defensive line or, or help. you, And then the players mentally are playing a sport where they know, in some extent, to some extent, they are quite literally putting their livelihood on the line every time they step on the field. Mm-hmm. You're asking them to be all in for a team that they know has no interest in winning this season. I, I personally feel like you might see every Miami game this year get completely out of hand. I think so. I, I think <laughs> After week one, you hear all the reports of the players on the team saying, get me out of here, because they know the team isn't trying to win. Mm-hmm. That team is checked out in week one. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Baltimore looked good. Yes, Lamar Jackson played a very good game. He beat who was on his schedule, and he did it in amazing fashion. But let's not jump out the window thinking Lamar Jackson's our, our saving parachute at this point either. There's still a lot to be seen. Mm-hmm. Lamar, you know? Yeah, I think. But to, like, we, but to... we can't act like – I just want to say this one thing, and I'm going to let you jump back in. Okay. Lamar Jackson threw five touchdowns in three quarters last week. Uh-huh. He had five touchdowns all of last season, mm-hmm. passing passing the ball. So yeah, he had a good game, but let's not act like he he had a he good was. game. But just but but to the point that you you just made, five touchdowns in three quarters versus mm-hmm. five touchdowns and. His entire playing, you know, his entire playing season last season. To me, I thought it as bad as the Dolphins are. And after one game, you're only getting a you know, you're getting a glimpse of how bad not only they are, but how bad this season can go. But to me, the thing about Lamar Jackson is, yeah, they were expected to beat the Miami Dolphins. I didn't know that the, I didn't I didn't expect them to be 59 points beating the Miami Dolphins. And to me, I didn't have a lot of I didn't have expectations. I was like, okay, he'll play, you know, he he should play well because, you know, we've talked about it, you know, we've talked about it on this show 
that Lamar Jackson's no slouch. Lamar no, Jackson he has all the talent. He has the talent. It's just a matter of seeing it. It's just a matter of seeing him put it all together consistently, mm-hmm. and not specifically and, with throwing the ball. And Part of it was scheme last year. They had him just running a lot. Part of it was there was a need for development. Mm-hmm. But so the it, it's not a matter of what you either you or I were bashing Lamar Jackson. He can't throw. He's no good. Mm-hmm. He's a bum. It's just a matter of let's be patient mm-hmm. and see how he develops and see if he can put it together. Mm-hmm. And I'm still advising patience because I don't yeah. think the sample yeah. size is large enough to say he's here now. Okay. Well, I, I will say this. You know, the question was what, what impressed you the most? And I will say mm-hmm. I was impressed by Lamar Jackson because just like in the conversation. And rightfully so. Yeah, just like, rightfully so. Right. You know, just like the conversation that we just had about Dak Prescott. You know, I prefaced it by, mm-hmm. you know, I asked you, did you think Dak Prescott played like an MVP candidate? You know, and you know, and you can answer that however you choose to. And you chose to answer it the way you did. But nonetheless, the reality is it's still week one. Yeah. It's still, you know, so, so, you know, I'm not, and, I'm, and, not and, yeah, I'm not christening and, Lamar Jackson as anything. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm. But, to your, but to your point about Lamar Jackson, when you asked me about an MVP candidate, I mentioned four. And Lamar Jackson was one, one of those of four names. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, exactly. So, based on week one, he had uh, like he heard, he had an amazing game week mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. After week one, Lamar Jackson is the goat. All right. Lamar Jackson's greatest quarterback to ever live. Uh, there's no quarter. You know, look, look. After week one, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm over here, Johnny Unitas. Who? Who is Joe Montana? Um, Tom Brady. Oh goodness, Tom Brady is garbage. Lamar Jackson, everybody. I'm going out to eBay now, and I'm going to go get my Lamar Jackson jersey. Um, y- yeah, uh, Lamar is the goat. Um, you you did see what Tom Brady did in week one, right? <laughs> You, no. you, you did see that. I, I did. I did. Once again, you know, <laughs> there there is a context to the comments well, the that I just he... made. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. But I just want to remind everyone, you did see what Tom Brady did in yeah. week one. Yeah. Like, and... he, he was surgical mm-hmm. dissecting Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, I, I, I got it to... was it, – it, it's artistry at this point. Mm-hmm. Watching Tom Brady play is artistry. He put on a show on prime time on prime time television while the world was watching. He dissected the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think embarrassed the Pittsburgh Steelers. Made the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, look, absolutely. Made the Pittsburgh Steelers look like they was like the Cleveland Browns or 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 the Bengals or somebody. You know, they they embarrassed. The Steelers. Steelers should be embarrassed. Steelers were coming into this weekend feeling like they were vindicated for jettisoning uh, Antonio Brown, and that's a whole another story. Well, you know, we, there, there ain't enough time in this show to get into that fool. But nah. they, they, we're, we're, we're going to have to have a, a whole segment, a whole thirty-minute segment to really get into Antonio Brown. Yeah, day. yeah. So. But they came in, but to, not this. Yeah, not not this week. We because unfortunately we, we we still gotta let some things play out before we talk about uh, a- Antonio Brown. But nonetheless, they came out looking like, hey, hey, you know what? We were right. We were, you know, we. They came out thinking like, hey, we did the right thing. Now we can move on. Hey, watch us move on, and got absolutely demolished. That you know that Pittsburgh offense looked completely inept. 
Ben Roethlisberger is like the game passing back. Is it me or did he seem like he was just disengaged that game? Like, kind of, like, just half-throwing, like, uh, let me just sling it over there and see what happens. He, he seemed like he, he's disengaged yeah. at this point. As, as week one overreactions go, you know, as week one overreactions go, Ben Roethlisberger looked like a game, looked like a guy who the game had passed by on Sunday. I understand there's still 15 more games to play, there's a lot more football to play, and you know things can they can certainly, certainly bounce back and turn their season around. But they look like a Ben Roethlisberger looked like a guy. You know, as as people you, you think about how people talk about Eli Manning now, and whether Eli Manning should quit, whether Eli Manning is done. Ben Roethlisberger looked just as Eli as Eli on Sunday. And it's funny you mentioned Eli because I was as you were talking about Eli, I'm sitting here thinking I watched the Giants versus Cowboys on Sunday, mm-hmm. and while the Giants looked bad, I didn't leave that game thinking Eli was Eli the was the reason they Eli was the problem. I came away from that Steelers game looking like Ben looked bad this game. Mm-hmm. He looked, whether he's just disinterested or just doesn't have it, I don't know, I can't say. But he did not see him engaged at all. Like was not the big Ben I'm used to see. Well, I hear you. I hear you. Well, look, we still got uh, a lot of football left to play. 15 more, you know, 15 more games. Each team has 15 more games to play. So real quick, looking ahead, what are you looking forward to in week two? We got some big games. I would say I'm looking forward to watching. I would say I'm looking forward to watching my team play. Mm-hmm. But you know who they're playing this week. Exactly. You, you've already said. You've already. So said. what I'm really looking for. So what I'm really looking forward to this week, believe it or not, is watching two other quarterbacks that we spent a lot of time in this show talking about play mm-hmm. and. See if they continue their development and continue taking that next step. I think step. we're on the same and page here. That would be that would be Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. I want to see the two of them this week and see how both of them look throwing the ball. Because mm-hmm. if those two guys are capable passers now, the league is in trouble. Mm-hmm. I think so too. You got Dallas at Washington. Washington needs to Washington needs to bounce back because blowing that they had a big lead against Philly, had Philly down in their in their building, and blew that lead and lost. Washington needs to bounce back, and they got Dallas who's rolling. I also think you know you talked about Lamar Jackson on the other side of that field uh, next week will be Kyler Murray who we talked about. We talked about Kyler Murray as well. What is Kyler Murray going to do against this Baltimore defense on the road? You know, he he had a good fourth quarter. Can he, you know, can he expound on that against a very good defense? Also, I'm looking at New Orleans at Los Angeles. New Orleans was able to New Orleans was able to bounce back and beat uh and beat the Texans on Monday Night Football in a game I did not watch. Oh man, that was an amazing finish! It pissed me off. That was one of the best finishes. 
to oh a football God. game I've seen in a long time. Oh, my God, man. All right, here's the thing. My son plays football. He's on the JV team. JV plays on Mondays this season. They played a night game. They played a 7 o'clock game. Got my mm. – went, went to the game – went to see my son play. Got got home from his game. Got my kids in the bathtub. Bathed my kids. Fed my kids. Got my kids in bed. Sat down on the couch. Pulled out my phone. Only to read all the tweets about how great New Orleans and Houston was. By the time I turned on ESPN, they had already switched to the other game. Was absolutely pissed. I talked... We had Ashley Baker on the show earlier earlier in this show. I talked to her Monday night. Talked to her late Monday night. And she was just talking about how great that game was. And she was absolutely killing me. I'm like, and I'm not saying like killing me, like making fun of me. Like, how could you miss the game? But she's just talking about the game. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, holy crap, I missed it. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed it. So, you know, I know it was a great game. You know, I watched all the highlights. Watched, you know, and, and to me, I, I will tell you this. I suck at watching replays of games. I don't want to watch. Once I miss a game, oh, no. I, I can't Once do I know it. the score, once I know who won, yeah. once I know who won, I can't watch. Yeah. I know people will watch you know, replays it's of the game. It's too hard to not know who won. Yeah, I, I can't do that. So it's like once I knew what happened, once I saw the highlights, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, it's like when, when I saw that we were going to talk Saints and Texans, I'm like, look, dude, I'll I'll, I'll let you expound on this because I, I got nothing to add. I, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't buy into the hype. I can't do any of that. And I can't even fake it. You know, it is what it is. I missed it. I, you know, I, I absolutely missed it. But, you know, there's still a lot of games to look forward to, you know, like I said, on my on my radar is Arizona and Baltimore. Dallas at Washington, of course, Philly at Atlanta, but you also got Minnesota at Green Bay. And what I'm also looking should forward to. Should be a good one. That should be a good one. And also I'm looking forward to, I, I, I'm interested, I shouldn't say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm interested in New England at Miami. Because I, you know, we talked about, we talked about a minute ago, what's going on in Miami. You know, players wanting out, the team showing no interest in, in, Winning, and you have an op- You have a very good New England team coming into your building. Do you really want? Is that really what you want to do to your fan base? Do you really want two blowout losses at home to start? Oh, the they season? have already done it to their fan base. It, this game, they could quite easily lose by fifty again. I, to me. It, and, uh, and that's not hyperbole. They could easily lose this game by forty or fifty points. You lose by forty or um, you lose by forty or fifty points to start your season at home. I understand that we all love train wrecks. We all want to see a good train wreck. You know, there are a lot of people who are just as excited about those Detroit zero and sixteen teams as they were about a team finishing sixteen and zero. But my gosh, 
Miami comes out and gets blown out at home two weeks in a row. You're 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 looking at. I think you're looking at a straight up horror movie, a horror movie where nobody lives, nobody survives to see. You know, no, nobody survives to see the end of this movie. End of the movie, everybody's dead. I and that 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 truly scares me. So we are going to enjoy talking this. Hey, we ran a little bit long in this segment, so this is what we're going to do. Let's take a real quick break, and then when we come back, I'm going to hold my man Jonesy to something he said he was going to do last week. I asked him to do something, and this week we're going to see if he did his homework. All right. So when we come back, we're going to take a, we're we're going to take a look at Team USA in as they exit the FIBA World Cup right here on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. The construction Tims are classic in Philly they and are. New York. They are. Connecticut. James Lewis. I've never been to Connecticut, man. Connecticut, Jersey, you definitely from Uptown, New York. You definitely Manhattan, from New York if you shout it out Connecticut. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we are back on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. Just remember, you can jump into the conversation at any time. Hit us up on Twitter, O underscore D underscore Discourse. My name is Brown. My partner in crime, Mike Jones, is on the line. Mike, was good? Ah, man, what's good? What's good? I can tell you was not good. <laughs> Man, look, I, I understand because we have enjoyed and we have thoroughly enjoyed all the football talk we've had this week. A lot of football to talk and, you know, we both enjoy talking football, but I know you are a basketball player at heart. You love the game of round ball. You love the game of hoops. And there was hoops to be played over the last couple of weeks in the FIBA World Cup. Team, That's what you want to call it. What would you call it? Guys dribbling, passing, and shooting. A bunch of guys dribbling, passing, and shooting in uniforms that said Team USA. Now, we talked a couple of weeks yeah. ago. We, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the roster and how it was made up and the issues that we had with the way that roster was made up. However, I in in that conversation yeah, last week's show. In that conversation, I challenged you to come up with a better roster. Last week's show, I I said quite plainly that this team just was like people like don't blame the individuals or think 
coached this, this roster was built poorly for international basketball was exactly what I said. Okay. And they could have put, a, put together a bat better one. I expected this team to struggle and even lose in this tournament before they played a single game, before I saw them on the court. And I thought that because of the way the roster was constructed, no other reason. So I'm asking you now. We'll, we'll take a look real quick. You know, you got had Derek right. Yeah, Derek White, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Harris, Marcus Smart, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Mason Plumley, Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, and Kemba Walker. That's that was the team. That was the squad. Mm-hmm. I asked you. Could you make a better squad? And I, I, I said I could. Okay. So let's hear. It. What is your I, better squad? Now, now, when I said now, now there were a couple things I said. I said that you probably would end up with a couple players who were on the current roster still on my team. That turned out to be true. Okay. But before we get into that, let's realize. Let's talk about real quick. I'm going to go through exactly what Team USA was dealing with. You just mentioned the current team. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to list real quickly the guys who were unavailable for them to choose from. Okay. Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, LeBron, KD, Steph, Clay, Kyrie, Russell Westbrook, CP3, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, John Wall, Bradley Beal, J.J. Reddick. Paul Millsap, Tobias Harris, DeMar DeRozan, Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, Victor Oladipo, James Harden, C.J. McCollum. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of talent. Yes. Now, of course, if you're picking from among those guys, anybody could put better put together a better roster. That's easy. Okay. The challenge is doing it without those guys mm-hmm. because none of those guys were willing to play. So without those guys, here's the roster I come I come up with, and I think some of these names might actually surprise you to hear them come from me. Okay. Remember, we're talking about an international basketball competition. So I've got Chris Middleton; he's on the roster. Donovan Mitchell; he's on the roster. Tatum stays on the roster. Lopez and Kimball Walker all stay on the roster. Now. I'm looking at, and this is the one guy I'm not sure whether or not he was actually available to play in this tournament, Mike Conley. I'm not sure what, I don't recall what his status is, but I could, I would have liked to see him if he was, were able to go. I would have liked to see him go. Okay. D'Angelo Russell, I would have had on this team. Andre Ayton, I would have had on this team. Jamal Murray, I would have had on this team. Al Horford, I would have looked to add. And here's where you might get a couple names that will surprise you. Mm-hmm. So, so far, what we're looking at is Conley, Middleton, Mitchell, Russell, Tatum, Ayton, Lopez. Kemba, Horford, and Joe Wall Murray. That's 10. I've got two open roster spots left. Okay, wait. Let, uh, so here we go. We got Middleton, Lopez, Mitchell, uh, Tatum, and Walker. That's who you're keeping from the current team. 
you would add Mike Conley, D'Angelo Russell, Jamal Murray, DeAndre Ayton, and Al Horford. Okay, you got 10 guys. That's 10. Okay. Now, if, if Conley's not available, because I have a question there, so I, I actually listed 13 guys, because I have, if Conley's not available, I'm looking at Jamal Murray. And then I have two names that I would have absolutely looked to put on this roster that you'll be completely surprised to hear me say. Okay. Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I fainted. My fault. I passed out for a second. No, I, I, I think honestly, as on the surface, yeah, I'm surprising. I'm a little surprised, but in someone who is now going into almost two years of hosting a show with you and spending weeks on end arguing and talking with you about sports, I think I understand why. I think one Dwight Howard adds rim protection and a big. You know, you need you need somebody who can be a defensive stalwart in the middle. You know, as much as people Especially want... Especially in international basketball where you can just take the ball, ball off, off the, the rim. rim. Yep, yep. And Melo at scoring. You need some... You, you know, you need somebody who can score. You need somebody who can put the ball in, you know, in the basket. And that's, you know... Especially in the front court, you need front, as as important as back court play is. You still need a front court player, somebody on the wing, on the perimeter who can score, put and put points in the uh, put points on the table. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So your revamped team USA: Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez. Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Mike Conley, D'Angelo Russell, Jamal Murray, DeAndre Ayton, Al Horford, Dwight Howard, and Carmelo Anthony. That's your Team USA. Correct. Okay. Okay. All right. I see that. Okay. I, I, I can see that. I can see that winning a medal. At least. Maybe, you know, at least – Finishing better than the seventh place finish that that is what's bet you know that's the best they can finish now. You're talking about a team with NBA players who can finish no better than seventh in the FIBA World Cup. After losing to France and following that up with the loss to Serbia. Yep, France and Serbia. That's that's where this team is. That is where this team is. So you tell us, what do you think? Of this revamped Team USA, we will definitely put this out there. We will definitely put this out here on Twitter and get. We got to get people's uh, people's reaction. And I, you know, and we'll put. And when Mike Jones is back in the studio next week, we will definitely. I'm 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 going to read him some of the reactions his Team USA would have gotten. Should we be putting Mike? Should we put Mike Jones in charge of Team USA over the Colangelos? Maybe this, maybe yeah. that's the problem. Maybe Mike Jones should be out here building Team USA and not the Colangelos. 
That will probably be better for everybody. That would be better for everybody. I would support that because, quite frankly, just the fact that I roll with Mike Jones, I feel that would give me, you know, I could get some good tickets and I could see some games. We got a week to figure this out. All right? So, look, that is the show, man. That's the show. When talk football, we didn't talk hoops. Yeah, it's good times. Just, hey, enjoy the football. Enjoy the college football this week. Enjoy sports. Make sure you contact us. Let us know what you think of this show. Once again, we are on Twitter. O underscore D underscore discourse. Make sure you download the podcast. Check us out on all the different online radio outlets. Shout out to freeagent.com. Shout out to the Bridge AI. Shout out to Seattle Hip Hop. Shout out to everybody who rocks with us. PhillyGoFlow.com. All those websites. And make sure you rock with us. And we will be back next week for another edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. My name is Brown. His name is Mike Jones. Now, Mike, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Mike Jones, I heard back then they ain't want you. That's a shame, but now I'm hot. So what happens now? And they all on me. <laughs> hey, you guys have a great weekend. We will check you out next week. Peace, y'all. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. James Lewis. I've never lived in a city like Phoenix where the downtown is not the center of the city. The, what's popping is out in Scottsdale. <laughs> That's where everything's popping. That's where all the five-star That's restaurants are in Scottsdale. The best clubs in towns are in Scottsdale. The best mm. spas are in Scottsdale. If anything, they need to build the arena in Scottsdale and move everything from downtown out to Scottsdale. Yeah, they build in the then white castles a, Then you have an elite in franchise. Scottsdale. Next to them, next to them, carved houses in Camelback Mountain. That's where everything is popping to me. From what I've white seen castles in my two years, is in, coming uh, to yeah. Scottsdale. I will be there. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo squad. Next to, the, next to the spot, it's like eight hundred dollars. It don't matter. It <laughs> don't matter. Burger. I'm up. I'm up in that right. piece. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning, starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. Most of my family, they never graduated high school, so I'm trying to break that barrier. My daughter, Brooklyn, was also a motivation for me to go back to school. Every day after work, went straight to school, and it paid off. At age 26, Kareem finished his high school diploma. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.